0: Thank <laughs> you.
1: podcast of the cinema, starring you, Dave White, That's and a, me,
0: Alonzo Duraldi. you're... I'm Dave White. Yes. You're Alonzo Duraldi. Yes. I think I've made that clear. We're film critics. Yes. Both of us uh, for the rap. hmm I'm just one of the rank and file. You don't need to get into all that. You're the film review's editor. It's very important that we establish... Um, no, it's not. ...who's the smoky uh, something, <laughs> smoky somebody, and who's nothing painted blue. <laughs> that's your insistence I think we're both smoky somebody is it smoky somebody does she say smoky somebody or is it smoky something i'd have to I, go back well oh, to I'll I, take it to the tape and that <laughs> tape is Kitten with the wit um and yeah so this is the podcast you do other podcasts i don't that's i mean true I've, I've been a guest you have <laughs> on some things but you know you can't be bothered otherwise I'm very busy i got a lot go I got a lot going on. You got a lot on the ball I got a lot going on and um today what I have going on is a gleeful uh a perusal and reperusal of uh the Twitter thread begun by uh fellow film critic Drew McQueenie. Mm-hmm. Backstory uh, at the Academy Awards the other night two nights ago it's Tuesday afternoon yes. here in our home the fan favorite things that they did that yeah. were it was an online poll okay so the in order to why, why who invented this idea I don't know the but, Academy basically wanted
1: to create two slots where they could finally talk about Spider-Man Far From Home <laughs> And it blew up in their faces because they're dumb and don't understand how the internet
0: works. <laughs> and so they set up a fan poll. On no the, Way Home, sorry. They set up a fan poll on the Academy website. Yeah. And you could go there and you could vote for two things. You could vote for fan favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And you could vote for... This is even more embarrassing. Uh-huh. The moment in a movie where you stood up and cheered because of remember all the remember all the video that people were taking in theaters of people standing up and cheering during Spider-Man No Way Home?
1: Or at Avengers Endgame
0: or, or whatever. Yeah. Um You could vote for that. Yeah. In my life, I have seen actual audiences stand up and cheer in the middle of a movie for one moment in one film. I have never seen it happen anywhere but in this one moment in this one film. And it was the split second immediately following Jennifer Hudson singing and I am telling you I'm not going. People got up and clapped and applauded a movie and this was a press screening. (laughs) This is not even like, this is like an audience of media people. So they were excited. Soul dead media people got up.
1: Now, it did make the top five. It did
0: make the top five. <laughs> and so, these are real. People do stand... Uh, apparently, people stand up and cheer in the middle of a movie, even though the movie can't hear you do it. Yes. Um. Okay, so... <laughs> the poll results are in. <laughs> and The number one fan favorite movie was yeah. Zack Snyder's... No, 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 no. Well, blah, yeah, Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead... It was Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead. That was his. Not that was the, the. That
1: was the fan favorite.
0: The fan favorite. The cheerworthy
1: moment. Cheerworthy moment was moment is from The Flash enters the, the Speed Force <laughs> in Zack Snyder's Justice League. It is worth pointing out that Zack Snyder's Justice League has yet to ever play in a movie theater. It was released. Are you sure ex- about that? Yes. It didn't play it theatrically mm-hmm. at all. It not was all. released exclusively to HBO Max. That's the four-hour one, right? Yes. Yeah. Did not have any kind of theatrical release. And yet, that's the cheer. People individually cheering on their couches made that the number one (laughs) cheer for the
0: moment. They stood up. Yeah. So,
1: again, it's the, it's Bodie McBoatface all over again. This is why you don't open things up to internet vote because (laughs) people have nothing else to do or who are very (laughs) skillful at figuring out how to like stay within the parameters of the rules of these things. I think, here's the thing
0: I'm not against this. Being a thing at all. Look, if like, the BTS people had stepped up and if they'd made a movie last oh, year, if BTS had had a documentary last year, yeah, holy cow, it would
1: be all over for you. They, did, Snyder they did
0: include BTS in the telecast, though. They did show up. They yeah. did show up on a video talking about musicals or something. Something I can't remember what they were talking about. Um, one of the guys in BTS was talking about how much he loved uh, the live-action Aladdin. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Specifically. Will Smith in Aladdin, which honestly, me too. (laughs) So, I thought Will Smith was cool in Aladdin. Um, So, uh, 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 reiterating, I do not have a problem with this fan-favorite poll. I do not have a problem with it being included in the Academy Awards telecast. I think it's hilarious, and anything that entertains me uh, is good Oscars. (laughs) So... Here's the part that I think is even better. There are people on the internet who think that um, that the that the fan favorite poll winner and the stand up and cheer poll winner means that those movies got an Academy Award, <laughs> but they did not. No, they did not get an Academy Award. They got a a clip. <laughs> they got
1: valuable screen time when Liv Ullman's honorary Oscar did not. Correct.
0: They they just got a nod, a mention, like, yeah. oh, hey, hey, here's what, here's what uh, audiences on the internet who picked, who bothered to vote, <laughs> yes, picked. But Zack Snyder does not have an Academy Award right now from any of this. No one they didn't drive it to his house. He wasn't there. There was no accepted speech. There was literally no Oscar statuette given to Zack Snyder for Army of the Dead. The the
1: Academy has not opened up the voting in any category to the general public. <laughs> to any
0: to anyone who is not an Academy <laughs> member. It doesn't happen. It's fine to be happy that you won the poll. Yes. But you did. Nobody was given an Academy Award. But there are people who think that this happened. And so Drew McWeeny <laughs> posted Do the Snyder cultists actually think those audience listicle things last night were real Oscars <laughs> that Army of the Dead and Justice League won? L O L O L infinity. <laughs> and then the next tweet in parentheses Oh my God, they do! <laughs> And people are responding to him like, it was on the Oscars and they mentioned it and they won a poll and that means they won. And you're like, and he's like, yes, but they did not get an Academy Award. And they're like, you can just go cry about it. <laughs> Which the is the like, Lightyear did not win an Academy Award either. It was just featured in a commercial bumper. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so happy. That this, has, that this has turned out this way. <laughs> uh, what else about the Academy Awards?
1: Well, I mean, I, I do want to circle back into the whole thing of, you know, I know you, you were talking about you were entertained by these clips, but these two things were nonsense, and they were part of a tsunami of really terrible decisions that that's, went into this year's awards. That's true, yes. You have all these categories that got bumped into pre-prime time, And treated like second-class citizens. Things like, you know, best score and best editing and, you know, uh, documentary short subject. You know, Riz Ahmed won an Oscar for co-directing a short film. Did that happen in primetime? It did not. Nope. We saw clips of it later. Um, You know, and, and again, the honorary Oscars, they booted off the show ages ago, which means... I'm sure Elaine May gave a great speech and Lee yep. Bowman gave a great speech yep. that we, we see that you see the clip going around online of Denzel Washington handing the award to Sam Jackson. That was a moment. Yep. Danny Glover, of course, gave an excellent speech. Was any of that feature on the program? No, it was not. No. All of this happening because they want two things to happen they suddenly think that younger people who don't even watch broadcast TV anyway and who don't give any figs for the Oscars... Not a single fig. Not a single fig are going to tune in if suddenly they find out that, you know, Tony Hawk and, uh, you know, I forget
0: who else are going to... Sean White and another guy whose name I can't remember. Yes, right are going to, like, introduce a 007 clip package. Yeah.
1: And that they're going to somehow make the show shorter. Guess what? It wasn't. <laughs> it was the longest Oscar telecast since 2018. Uh, yeah. This was, so, <laughs> bad move, everybody. And that's just the, and, we'll get go, to that part off, in a second. Go off. And, go off. <laughs> the, the general feeling of, like, you know, you could pick on the Oscars for being self-congratulatory and for being, you know, up their own behinders about, you know, the importance of cinema. behinder about
0: which I do not give one fig.
1: But you know what? I would rather an Oscar show that actually celebrates and gloats about how awesome cinema is yes. than one that kind of poops on it at every possible turn. Right. If you're going to make jokes about how boring Power of the Dog is or how, like, the movie memorabilia at the very expensive new Academy Museum is dumb and stupid and who cares, (laughs) I'm like, why am I watching this show? I thought this was the Academy Awards.
0: Right. And then Chris Rock made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's alopecia and Will Smith hit him. Oof. And it has been... 48 hours? Yes. Since this happened. And whatever you think about it, you will find validation for your opinion on the internet. Indeed. Because it has has been thoroughly excavated except for the way in which I would like.
1: And what way is that?
0: Well, let me be clear that the way in which I would like is uh my my needs are irrelevant to all of this <laughs> they matter nothing um n- also my opinion matters nothing regarding any of this and the reason i think that is because i don't know the three people involved mm. and i still don't know why because something in the history of those three people had to have happened before this. There was the previous... There was a previous joke.
1: Yes, when, when Chris Rock hosted the Oscars and he made a joke about Jada Pinkett Smith in the monologue. Yes.
0: So now, uh, as of this afternoon, Will Smith has apologized to everyone. Including Including Chris, including Rock. Chris Rock, and apparently they have mended their... Their broken that situation. much I don't know. We don't know. That's the that's Chris Rock has yet to speak. Yes, Jada Pinkett Smith I think has also yet to speak. I
1: think she actually did, did she? something today. Okay, well it's it like
0: yet. you know I can't keep up with. I know the news. it's this is. Um, what I, it's hard for me to to believe that this just sprang fully formed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. There's something we didn't go we, from 0 to this. There, you don't go from 0 to 100 like that unless something else in the past has already made bad blood. And we're not probably we're not going to learn about that. I mean, we're probably not going to learn about that. Um but that that stuff that unknowable, right? Other than that the joke was tasteless and mean, and whether he knew it whether he knew she had alopecia or not the joke was tasteless and mean, uh, and the response was violent, with no repercussion in the moment. Yeah, no, no immediate consequence. No, and you know, know, to the contrary, it is, it is, it is bad to hit people in public. But it is, it is bad to hit people also in private. In private, it is bad to hit people. Um. But I'll never know what is going on behind the scenes with any of the three people involved. Yeah. And so it's not like I can spin narratives about what was behind what, what, you know, it, there have been a lot of people deciding that they know everything they need to know and making pronouncements about any kind of thing they feel like making a pronouncement about. And I just don't think that we can do that? Other than to say, yeah, your joke sucked and what are you doing smacking somebody? Yeah, that uh, We can say that.
1: Yes. And I think what's... I think the reason that there's... This is... That people can't let this go and are finding it so fascinating. Yes. Is that the Academy Awards is sort of the ultimate example of like a showbiz... PR event for itself right it's all smiles it's all we're a big community and it's all all that stuff yeah and so to have that moment of like oh invade this otherwise like phony let's face it kind of you know evening that is built on that sort of that showbiz brand of unruffled and you know no one is sweating because everyone has Botox in their armpits, you know? Sure. That's that's the thing that, that that makes you you go, whoa. You're not
0: expecting, and here's my feeling about it from the moment it happened till now. It's shocking. Mm-hmm. It's upsetting. Yeah. It makes me feel sad and bad inside. Yes. Um, because of the unknowable thing that I'll never get the answer to. What's going on? What's going on with those three people? What's going on in Will Smith's head? Yeah, you know, a, 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 it would seem something not good. Yeah, and it and it saddens me because again, these are three uh, artists I like. Yeah, and I and it and it Amber Ruffin gave a wonderful like encapsulation on Seth Meyers. Mm-hmm and I assume she'll go into it more deeply on her own show sure. this week. But she said it. She was like, I feel weird and terrible inside. Yeah. And my sister called me and we were just screaming to each other on the phone. And I it, it and I don't have I don't have answers. And I don't even know a way to make it feel like it. Even 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 if they smooth it all out, I, I look at it and I go, oh, that's bad.
1: No, th- th- this this branches into a ho- lot of areas of just discomfort. The live TV of it all, the standing ovation of it all, right? Just you know, right. and it's not like this was you know Mickey Rourke or somebody. Right. Will Smith has built an entire career. Loved. Yes. And that's yeah. You know, like he's the guy who wouldn't curse on albums. He's like, right. he is. You know America's yeah. Will Smith. You know he's America's Will Smith. <laughs> yes. And so it's just, it's just like what is yeah. even happening now.
0: So uh, ultimately, bottom line, don't come to us for wisdom, no, <laughs> or answers. We're lost. We don't know what. To... A lot of we don't know what, and, and the coming week might bring more information. We don't know. Sure. I don't know what's going on anymore. There are In there there are a lot of
1: there are a lot of pundits who are far more qualified than we are to talk about this. I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar wrote an interesting piece. I haven't read his. Soraya piece McDonald yet. has a really interesting piece. But again, there's you know, however, whatever your take is on this, someone on the internet agrees mm-hmm. with you and has written a five thousand word essay. Right? right.
0: So, yeah. What about the actual awards?
1: Any thoughts on those?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: I was happy. Coda is nice. Eh. Coda's nice. I don't even think it belongs in the same category as something like Green Book or uh, Crash Mm -hmm. or even like people compared it to Driving Miss Daisy. Um, And I think Coda was a nice little movie that Apple spent a lot of money on Mm -hmm. at Sundance like didn't you tell $25 me twenty five million dollars than, the biggest yeah, like more than any other movie yeah the biggest acquisition
1: ever in the history of the festival and
0: that's a lot for a movie that is like small and thoughtful and sweet and really old fashioned as a movie you know it's designed to make you feel good it's designed to get, make you cry a little bit at the end it's designed to make you feel love for the characters and for you know, the people in your life who mean a lot to you. It's one of those kinds of movies. Some, some, it's understandable that it won the best picture award. Um, I don't think it deserves the, the vitriol it's been getting because of it. Um, I, I also don't know that, you know, Apple just wasn't really good at playing a game. Well, and they, and uh, they did. they It is a game and yeah.
1: people, some people are really good at it and have the money to back that up. I mean, I, Somebody on Twitter made the observation that we would think far more kindly about the artist and the King's speech and a lot of these other movies if they weren't Best Picture winners. Like, we would remember them fondly as, oh, these little Indies and they, you know, some nice performances and whatever, whatever.
0: What kind of movie should win Best Picture, though?
1: Well, I think when something like Moonlight wins Best Picture, that's right. exciting because that's a movie that's genuinely like trying to do things that are different and provocative. And there is there and is a level of, there
0: know. is a level of artistry in yeah. Moonlight that de- that deserved recognition. Also, Parasite. Um, perhaps the artist felt a little gimmicky uh, as an artistic endeavor, but I sure do like it.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I don't hate the artist. I don't hate the King's Beach. I don't hate Coda. But what, I'm, what frustrated me about Coda, and it, which it turned out was its secret weapon all along, was that for me, it felt like a movie that every time it, that it could have just trusted in the characters and the yeah. situations and stuff to really tell a, a beautiful story, it veered right into, I'm going to be the feel-good film of the year. Right. And, you know, shows you what I know. That's how you win an Oscar, I
2: guess. <laughs> that
1: and all of that Apple money behind you. How mad are they at Netflix, by the way? <laughs> the, the first How mad are who at Netflix? The people at Netflix who've been trying to win an Oscar for Oh, how years. angry is Netflix right now? Yes. Very. Because they, they <laughs> the, the first streamer to finally angry. win this thing is Apple. I mean,
0: mm-hmm. I, I'm sure the, the employees at Netflix are like, oops, you yeah, know, like, what are we going to do? I mean, Ted Sarandos, that's who I mean. You see the boss of Netflix? He's the big boss. Okay. Yeah. I, I never knew his name. Um, Yeah, I don't know who's angry at Netflix. I don't I, and it's, like, it's not my job to care or worry I, about that. I'm just—I'm um, not staying up nights about it. I'm just thinking—you <laughs> know that they've wanted one.
1: You know, course, that, well, of course, yes. You know, like with Roma and yes. Irishmen, they were like trying so hard, and then they get—they get scooped down.
0: I, um, you know, I'm—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, 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 I'm happy that Jane Campion won. Yes. Uh, I was pleased that uh, Ariana DeBose and yes. Jordan Katzer, yes, uh, won. Cruella one
1: for costumes. I was excited about that.
0: Cruella one for costumes, please. L- represent. Everybody rise. <laughs> that movie took nothing but stick. The moment it came out and I remember watching it with you going, "You know what? I'm enjoying this film and these costumes are blowing my mind." Yes. So, yeah, good.
1: Um did you hear about the whole, uh, the animation controversy? Uh, what? Because we were only sort of half paying attention to a lot of the discussions that were going on during the Oscars.
0: Right, I try not to participate in any discussions.
1: No, no, I mean, we were barely listening to what they were saying from the stage on the Oscars. Uh, so, you know, they... Oh, uh, you know, I had um, I had pasta to yes. be eating. So... The animation category, they they, they brought up... In the, a reasonable quantity. Yeah, you did. That's right. You were very good. Um, Y'all shoveled it right in. It was delicious. You know,
0: uh, they I made a carbonara. Yes. Just so everyone... With Bucatini. Yeah. Made, got, um, got me some Bucatini and made a carbonara. And it was... It's what I make every year. Yeah. When we it's sit... It's our in like, Although, we broke with tradition this year. and Did not eat anything. On the brand new couch. Oh, never. Not allowed. We wouldn't. We it couldn't. In we fact, should. some olive oil got spilled on the table. A friend and neighbor, Gary Cotty, I saw his forearm hit the olive oil on the table. And I said to him, when you're finished, go wash up to the elbows. <laughs> or you are not invited to sit on my... I can't believe you're putting him on blast not... No, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> He did nothing wrong. I'm the one putting me on blast right now. I'm a maniac. You are. Uh, because I noticed it and I made him go wash his <laughs> forearms. And he was like, this is our friendship now. And I was like, yeah, our friendship so has a new member. <laughs> the new member of our friendship circle is this couch. And everyone's going to be extremely good to it. Anyway. So- and he, and he uh, thinks that I'm a, 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 a an insane person now. And guess what? I you are. I am. <laughs> so,
1: animation category. They bring out the three actresses, remember, who were in the Disney live action versions? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, apparently, they made some joke about how, like... basically The three women on the stage? The three women okay. in, in their... And I'm, and I'm sure they didn't write this, but whoever did write it, made some joke about how, like... And this is, again, a show that hates movies. Uh, some joke about how... how Parents, you know, have to endure animated movies because their kids watch them over and over and over again. Yes. And it's and like, well, sometimes that is the case. Sometimes, yeah, but people in the animation community are like, uh, what are you doing?
0: And at the, the best Oscars? animated movie in the world, if your child demands to watch it twice a day for a year, that is an endurance test. Okay. I yes. don't care if it's Fantasia.
1: I understand. Well, that would be an endurance. Anyway, but. What I'm saying taste is, is really good. What I'm saying is it was disrespectful to the animators out there. And also didn't reflect the fact that one of the nominees this year was Flea. Right. I don't know how many kids are watching that over None and over them. again. Zero
0: kids are watching Flea.
1: Yeah. So yeah. anyway, that was that was just another moment of like, do we is this a show pro Do we think that joke was
0: movies? simply badly delivered or or awkwardly written?
1: I think it was ill thought
0: out. Okay. Because I get the joke. Yeah, no, no, of course. I know if you're a parent, you've seen Encanto 40 times by now. I get that. I part. know a person who is aged 34 who drove his parents round the bend in the 90s. Yes. Watching The Lion King. On VHS. On VHS every single day.
1: I understand all that. I'm just saying.
0: This is a funny story that he told me.
1: Maybe when you're about <laughs> to give an award for this, and it's certainly at a moment where like animators are fighting for like to be paid better. Yes. N- not the way to go. Anyway, so that I agree, I agree with all of that. That was just another
0: thing. That animation is cinema. Unha- if you don't think it is cinema, you are wrong. Yeah,
1: and in fact, one of the the animated short winner talked about adult animation being a thing in his speech, which we saw a truncated version of because right. they made it out before the show started. Yeah.
0: Um, I, the and, na- next year, they need to give it more presentational respect, for sure. Uh, and and I'm mean, in general, I'm over the jokes about this or that movie being crappy or yeah. boring or hard to watch or you know an endurance like yeah. you said um because if it's if it's if it's a well written joke and everyone is clear on the meaning yes and that's sometimes hard to do check the internet for <laughs> for people talking about the Kirsten, Kirsten Dunst, Dunst seat filler bit that Kirsten Dunst and Jesse Plemons were in, in on, on they were collaborators in the in the bit in the bit um, the you know it, it's like how we finally got rid of all the jokes of the uh, what does a sound editor even do anyway you know, right <laughs> yes here's your award dummy it would dummy. be nice. it would be nice <laughs> if sound editing were explained really well at, on, at the awards. Just a 15-second description. This is what happens. Part of you my know.
1: cinematic education as yes. a child was watching the Oscars and seeing the clips where they would show, here's what something looks like before yep. we sound edited. Here's what it looks like after or sounds like. Here's what it looks like before the effects came in. All of that stuff. And they have that platform. And instead, they fart around and waste our time. This was a terrible show this year. Also,
0: Jessica Chastain, please. I want to tell you something about the expression fart around. Yes. It has re-entered... I don't know if it was ever part of your vocabulary. But it has... If it was ever a part of your vocabulary, it has re-entered your vocabulary since you since you watched the new Richard Linklater film, a grown-up animated feature, which, Indeed. by the way, called Apollo 10 and a half. we We'll talk about it next episode. Which next next time. Um, and I, And in the movie... Jack Black says, farting around. And, and I was like, oh, I haven't heard anyone say that since I left Texas. The movie is set, set in Texas. I was like, I haven't heard a single person ever say that in Los Angeles. I've only ever heard it when I was young in New Mexico and Texas. And I don't know if it's regional or if it's simply era specific. But I've heard you say it like two or three times in the past couple weeks. It's a great expression
1: that i would forgotten. About.
0: After you watched that movie. And I think it's really hilarious. Dave, the cinema can change us. It can, it can make you want to do more with your life than just fart around. Yes, <laughs> even farting around feels good in a place like this. Um, all right, let's talk about the current cinema. But yes. before we talk about the current cinema, okay, let us briefly discuss the uh, cinema of the recent past. We finally caught up. On Jackass Forever. Yes, because it just began streaming on Paramount Plus. Indeed, and we sat down and we watched it. Um, and I call it a successful Jackass movie because you got the dry heaves.
1: Yes, if I don't get a dry heave during a Jackass movie, it's somehow not doing its job. Chris Pontius
0: voluntarily drinks something. I'm not gonna spoil it. He voluntarily drank a thing that made, that gave you the dry heaves. Yes. And when you did, uh, you immediately said, "Get off the couch." I well, here's what exactly happened. Chris Pontius drank the thing, and I laughed out loud. And then you got dry heaves. And then I laughed out loud at you getting dry heaves. And then I said, "Get off the couch. If you're gonna throw up, go to the bathroom. Don't do it on this new couch." I didn't throw up. I just got the dry heaves. And uh, listen, and it was you getting the dry heaves sounds an awful lot like. Throw up is fixing well, it. well
1: that's they're called dry for a yeah. reason, Dave. Yeah. Uh yes, Jackass number two or three D, I forget which. Chris Ponti says something similar, which prompted a similar response.
0: The first Jackass. It was the Yellow Snow cone. You and I, yes. You and I went to see it on Halloween night. night. I remember that. At the Beverly Center. The long rest in peace. Mm. Garbagey movie theater yes. in the Beverly Center. Um, Rest in puke. <laughs> <laughs> and during the yellow snow cone scene, you got dry eaves. And I thought, oh, he's gonna throw up on the movie theater floor. I did not. And and every subsequent jackass movie since, you have gotten the dry eaves at least once. And I always think it's hilarious. Because it is.
1: I am reminded of the words of noted Jackass fan John Waters. Yes. Who said that when someone throws up in one of my movies, it's like getting a standing ovation? <laughs> so for me, getting a dry heave during a jackass movie is like falling asleep in an, a Peach Up Pong movie. I suppose. I right. am responding
0: and interacting with the art. Some changes this time around. I guess they've been discussed. Some, um, some new crew. Bam folks. is absent. Yes. Uh, my understanding is that he is undergoing a lot of personal struggles. Yes, and now it's turned into like fights and lawsuits, and, yeah. and they. But but my understanding is that they said, "No, you're not going to do this yeah. if you don't address these issues." Mm-hmm. Chris Pontius is in the movie, but he doesn't do a lot of stunts. He seems to be just sort of cheerleading. I think he maybe is the first one to realize I can't do. That that anymore they're all like pushing 50 or at 50 oh yeah yeah there's a lot more silver hair than (laughs) even on steve-o and um
1: but but there's a new generation coming in
0: there's some new folks uh in the in the crew a woman named rachel wolfson Mm -hmm. i think so is that her last name i believe so. i don't know who she is or where she comes from but um she's in there uh guy zach is sort of the new plus-size gentleman yeah, because Preston Lacey, yeah, he's still... They still routinely put Preston Lacey through the ringer. Oh, yeah. And he just keeps letting them... Um, so, uh, the... British guy. There's a British guy. Like, Eric Andre shows up, yeah. which is... That's a match made in heaven. Like there's, that, there's, that was always destined to be...
1: There's one of the new guys ropes his dad into it, and then the dad just starts... Like
0: hanging out. Hanging out and being yeah. there for things. Um, before I talk about my favorite bits, I, I want to talk about the PETA uh, situation mm-hmm. where uh, they called for an investigation into animal abuse on set. Now, this took place at the time of the the release, and so it's been long enough uh, since the release that I've been able to go back and, and look up what follow through might have happened. And so far, I can't find any. Like, I don't know if that means that Paramount was content with the Humane, uh, American Humane's, you know, stamp of approval, green light on the project or what. But as far as I know, there is no formal investigation into animal abuse on the set. But I did, having, you know, known about this complaint from PETA. I I was watching the movie looking for, you know, any kind of evidence. Now, obviously, if there was animal abuse on set, it's going to have been edited out of the film. So the best that I could find, and here's what they do with animals in the movie, specifically. Bees are used. They put a queen bee on Steve-O's penis. And then a swarm of bees from the hive all collect around the queen and basically turn his penis and scrotum into a giant new hive.
1: Like when those guys do the beard of bees
0: on their yeah. face? Yeah. It's that, but it's, it's lower. It's that. Okay. They also do a thing with tarantulas. Tarantulas. Yes. Uh, a, a tarantula in a tube and the guys are trying to blow the tarantula in the direction of the other guy's mouth or face or yeah, helmet area in yeah, the like, tube, yeah. Um there's a scorpion that they put on Rachel Wolfson's face and it keeps stinging her lips. And then Johnny Knoxville rides a bull like he did. Well, a bull charges Johnny Knoxville. A bull charges Johnny Knoxville like he did in the, the first movie. movie. Yeah. And there's a bear. And there's also a bear that... The bear just comes in and licks honey off of Aaron's uh, crotch. And eats salmon. And eats a, and eats some salmon. Um, but it scares Aaron, and that's the whole point. Yeah. Um, so here's... With the exception of the bear, who was super chill and just was happy to be eating, uh, the other animals... It could be argued that they were put in states of distress. Because... An animal is not going to... Actually, I don't know what the bees would have been. Like the bees will just follow the queen wherever and they're not yeah. stinging anybody because nothing's. they're not upset themselves. I don't know. And they were, I, the, I don't understand bees. So.
1: The, the apiary was right there. Right. So I'm sure when it was over, they all just went back. Well, you
0: saw there, the you know. beekeepers like scooping yeah. them up and bringing them back to yeah. the thing. Uh, so that brings it down to potential trouble with the tarantula, the scorpion, and the bull. When an animal is under a lot of stress, or when it feels threatened, it's going to react. It's going to strike. So, oh yes, also there was a a, a, a snake that oh. they, they allowed a snake to bite someone on the face.
1: No. Yes. Oh yes, right. So actually, yes. there's two snakes. There's two snakes. One
0: who just is there. One that's just there and not, not and not not part of a stunt. Yeah. And then another that becomes part of the stunt and bites someone on the face. Right. So when an animal is in distress or under stress and is defensive, that's when it strikes. A scorpion is not running around just trying to sting people. Neither is a bee, a tarantula. I don't even know what tarantulas do. Do they bite? Do They, they do. Do they, they bite? Remember, we um, see it bite the nipple. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, if, if that is animal abuse, then it should not be in a film. Really, it just shouldn't be in a film. If there's no point to to that, then a joke. Like, hey, let's watch an animal bite this guy. Well, we can't get the animal to bite this guy unless the animal's upset. So if you're putting an animal under stress, that's not good. You know, you wouldn't do it to a dog or a cat. You wouldn't taunt or torment a dog or a cat because you love dogs and cats. You're already scared of spiders and snakes. So you think, well, it's fine then, <laughs> you know, it's fine if I torment a scorpion because they are terrifying. And so like, I think that is the mindset of people. I think people watching this kind of thing or this kind, of, or not just jackass, but in any situation, you wouldn't dream of tormenting a dog or a cat to make them do something bad, to make them fight you. It wouldn't happen. It would certainly not happen on a screen. And if you did it in real life, someone would say, someone should take that that dog or cat away from you. You're an a-hole. By that reasoning, it had not to be happening to other animals for the sake of a stunt. I don't see eye to eye with PETA on much. I still eat meat. You know, I don't own any fur coats, but I still eat meat. But this sort of thing just doesn't feel necessary. You know, I'm not yet to the point in my life where I'm personally offended by it. Because I know PETA is. And they want no animals on screen at all. I went and did a little bit of homework here. Uh, PETA wants no animals on screens No cats, no dogs, no birds, nothing. They want nothing. And I don't know how long that is coming. I know that Disney has a no primates uh, rule now they've had one for several years i know that very large sort of wild animals are now largely mostly cgi yeah <clears throat> and the cgi just keeps getting better you know you can still tell but it just the cgi does keep getting better uh eventually i guess they'll get to a place where there are cgi cats and dogs if this trend towards cgi well, animals call, continues
1: call the wild it was a cgi dog
0: it was all cgi yeah dogs. but you could tell that dog was fake
1: but like all the wolves, everything. Uh, they,
0: all those animals look like cartoons.
1: <laughs> they aren't there yet. Okay.
0: But 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 it was done. They,
1: okay, had, had PETA not hijacked or tried to piggyback on the Jackass Forever promotional campaign yes. by like releasing a press release during yes. opening weekend, would you have given it a thought?
0: Because I frankly didn't give it a thought. I credit activists across the spectrum of activism, no matter what subject they're activisting about, Mm -hmm. with pointing out stuff that seems irrational or seems wrong. And the use of animals for stunts seems unnecessary. Again, I say, I am not going to, you know, join PETA over this. But they have a point when it comes to using animals for comedy stunts. Especially when that animal has been pushed to strike. Okay. That's what I think. Um, Again, I say this as a person who still eats meat. So I understand that I'm a hypocrite. Don't anybody yell at me (laughs) about this. But... Watching You've also the movie sucked all the fun out of talking about Jackass. Right. Forever. No, the, I did not suck all the fun out of talking about Jackass because there are still thirty-seven stupid human tricks that are happening in this movie. There are fewer than a handful of animal stunts, and a lot of people getting smashed in the balls. Oh, so much! And so here are some things that happen that are great: the human ramp. <laughs> The dum dum game, where if you are proven to you, be a dum dum, if dumb you dumb, a trivia question wrong, you get smacked in the balls. Uh, soccer balls to the face. Uh, musical chair uh, ejection bags, <laughs> where if you sit on the wrong chair, you get blown into the sky, hydraulically. Uh, uh, the soccer
1: ball to the face, by the way, was delivered with one of those things with two wheels. Like yes, is that like, is that like a tennis ball? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, brutal launcher. <laughs>
0: The skateboard guillotine—that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, Making people jump into into uh, collections of cactuses, cacti, cacti. Yes. Um, The uh, uh, taking softballs uh, uh, to the balls. Yes. Oh, the woman who was the pitcher, Mm. who who threw the softball. Yeah, who throws the
1: fastest softball in the world? She
0: she holds the world record for throwing a fast softball, and she nailed like how many guys? It was all Aaron. It know. was all Aaron. Yeah. Okay. Uh exploding porta potties, lighting farts on fire underwater. Um a marching band on a super fast oh, uh treadmill. Treadmill. Uh Eric Andre gets smacked in the face. Um so many things. That that um that, <laughs> exploding toilets, the triple wedgie. That lube
1: uh ski jump they created in the middle of like a Field of dirt and people just land in a mound yeah, of dirt. hideously
0: <laughs> uncomfortable and very... Oh, putting their penis and balls in a vise and using it as a paddle ball? Yes. See, you can be endlessly inventive with oh. torturing someone's body. Okay, what about... <laughs> in, a, in a comedy way.
1: What about when they tie Wee Man to steaks and put uh, raw meat on his body and then unleash a turkey vulture on him?
0: That vulture did nothing but Much, hop around the just, Yes, just like the bear... The vulture just ate. Yeah. And we Man tried to not react. Yes. So yeah, like, again, I said, the bear was chill, the bear just ate. The vulture was chill. The vulture wasn't doing anything except eating. Yeah. They weren't putting these animals under, the, the vulture and the bear were not under stress. Okay. They were just there to eat. And they did. And the human reaction was not in any way, you know, harming the animal. But across the board, it's a bad idea, I okay. think. And maybe if there's going to be another Jackass movie, and by all accounts, there probably will be down the road with more incorporating... The, the new kids. The new kids incorporated into the action. Uh, What's it going to cost you to lose the animal stunts? Nothing. It costs you nothing. And it costs no amount of fun. If they get you to keep, keep the, uh, the animal um, products. Well... <laughs> It could be argued that that animal was having the opposite of distress. <laughs> and someone's going to purchase that stuff and anyway. And someone's going to buy it anyway, yeah. yeah. So um, I can't talk about it because it's a spoiler. <laughs> and it's what gave you dry heaves, which is which the, honestly the best part of the movie. Um, overall, you know, I love a jackass movie. Me too. I, I particularly love... Uh, the The philosophy that is has always been a part of it from the day one, which is we're making each other laugh. We're making each other laugh, and there's a kind of presumably heterosexual bonding that goes on in these uh, in this in this group of people mm. that I feel. Listen, there's a reason why the advocate, the, the the nation's leading lesbian and gay news magazine of record, formerly, yeah, does it even still exist? Yes. Okay. It's well, not. it's a shell now <laughs> of what I mean, it was before. Um, but back in the day when I wrote for it, there's a reason that I got sent to interview Johnny Knoxville. We both did for the for the you know, two different occasions yeah. we uh, we uh, interviewed him, you did one time, and I did one time all each time for jackass movies. no, mine was for a dirty shame, actually, but, but it, 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 it I,
1: John Waters gave you a great quote about the sexual anarchy of jackass yes yeah. <laughs> yes,
0: it is a too having too much fun to care if something is too gay or not, yeah. And that is... Of course something. we're all naked. <laughs> it warms my heart. And and the story that Johnny Knoxville told me about Pontius mm. and the things Pontius does when the camera is off. <laughs> there's no movie happening. They're just riding around doing stuff as a group of friends and Pontius is behaving insanely in a way that would make other straight guys... Run screaming. Yeah. And so, like, that element of it, which I would love for that to continue, even as I want the animal stunts to go away. Um, Everyone can evolve. But these guys have evolved on this front in a way that I find charming and delightful. And, you know inclusive yes i don't know if any of them are queer uh none of them have ever said they were um i i think that it gives hope to the like
1: legions of young dudes who watch them yeah i think they are demonstrating behavior about uh about Uh, um, what's the word homosocial relationships about how men can be together in a way that is like you said it's accepting and open and and, it's affectionate
0: and it's it's horny and it's but it's but it's not making anyone freak out exactly and and I think that is that is a move forward for sure for the world. I don't want to put too much emphasis on it making it more than it is, but they are they're cool. They're the opposite of no homo. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, jackass. The current cinema. Yeah, we saw The Lost City. Yes. Explain what happens in The Lost City. Ever so briefly, you don't have to get into the weeds. It is a, it is a movie that's not about very much at all. Yeah, there okay. barely are any weeds
1: at all. Uh, Sandra Bullock is a romance novelist and uh, Channing Tatum is her hunky cover model who has delusions that he is the character that she has written in the books. She is kidnapped by a billionaire played by uh, Daniel Radcliffe who thinks that her book contains clues to the location of an actual uh, a lost city and with, that contains archaeological treasures. Um, Channing Tatum pursues with the help of Navy SEAL Brad Pitt and uh, wackiness ensues. Yes.
0: Most of the time I was not bored.
1: Yeah. It's reasonably entertaining.
0: It is medium good. Yeah. Uh, here's what's medium good about it. Sandra Bullock is, for me, she's my America's sweetheart. I have always enjoyed her. I think there's something that's very just winning about her. Even when she is being terrible and mean in a film, (laughs) I'm on board for it. Um, But I, I like her company. And so the fact that she's here with Channing Tatum and... They are playing off each other really well. Yes, they are. They're fun. In together. a fun way. Uh, and then when you add Brad Pitt into the mix, occasionally he's a minor character in the yeah. film, but sort of pivotal uh, as a supporting character. You know, the three of them together are fun. The story is a big lot of nothing. It's, as you said, did you say romancing the stuff? I stone? haven't said it yet, but yeah, I was going. It's to. romancing the stuff. Yeah. Um. And therefore it is the kind of movie that is just sort of uh, capital E entertainment. You are there (laughs) to be entertained and then to walk out and maybe forget that you saw a movie. (laughs) By the time you get to your car, all you'll have
1: left is the lingering sense of, that was nice.
0: (laughs) Right. And sometimes I think that's good enough. Sure. Um, There is something sort of lovely about a big sort of dopey entertainment on a big screen. Yes. It was the first press screening that you and I attended. Yeah. Uh well, you went to a few in twenty twenty one. In the summer, yes. In the summer and, and then, then once at, again at the, in the, the end fall. of the year. Yeah. So in between variants, you went to a couple.
1: Yeah. This was like the first one I had been to since like West Side Story. And like.
0: I went to a couple movie theaters in the summer and the fall to buy tickets to see things. Right. But I had not been to a press screening since February of 2020. And we went, and it was fine. Uh, It hurts for me to sit for a very long time, but I made it through. Wore my N95 mask the entire time, as did you. Some people did the same. Others did not. Mm -hmm. That is the way the world is now. Yep. And some folks are going to wear masks and some folks are not. And that's fine. I don't, Care, yeah. I'm gonna do what I do, yeah. You can do whatever you want to do, too. Um, I think that Sandra Bullock fighting a sequent jumpsuit through the entire film <laughs> is also hilarious, yes. Whoever... They put her in comedy clothes from yeah. the start and she wrestles with that outfit for the entire film. Her ability to turn physical comedy awkward and then and then non-awkward, she has a lot of talents in that area. Sure. Um and whoever the casting person was
1: was like let's stock this movie with like really fun cool Oh yeah. Up and coming, or like not, you know, not up and coming necessarily, but but still, comedy people you're not tired of yet. So like Divine Joy Randolph and Patty Harrison and Bowen Yang and folks like that.
0: Those supporting characters elevate the material when there's not anything going on.
1: Yeah, you can tell they they all three of them probably looked at their dialogue and was like, I I
0: can I can judge this a little. Yeah. Um. So I'm. I'm medium pleased with this medium good movie. Does it hold the same place in my heart as The Lake House? Nothing ever will. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it it is. If if you just like want to go to a movie because you want to go to a movie, you know, it it has the shape and sound and form of a movie. And in six months, if you are feeling run down and you're on your couch and it pops up on uh, Paramount Plus. You
0: can watch it and you'll be pretty happy. Yeah. Now, if you want to go to a movie just for the sake of going to a movie, then you need to go see Stunt Rock. <laughs> Your options are less uh, numerous than The Lost City. The Lost City opened wide in multiplexes all across the country. Yes, Stunt Rock is opening in about a dozen cities uh, this I, week, I playing think so, yeah. right now in about a dozen cities this week, um, and I don't know for how long.
1: But it's a new 4K restoration, so I imagine there's like a Blu-ray coming. And uh, Kino, who explain is- what it is. Kino, who is releasing it, has a streaming service now called Kino Cult, yes. where movies are free with ads, and I suspect they'll be turning up there as well. So, Stunt Rock is a 1978 78 uh, movie from Brian Trenchard-Smith, who is I, I like to think of him as the Roger Corman of Australia. Uh, he is a a brilliant exploitation filmmaker. If you saw the documentary, Not Quite Hollywood, they talk a lot about Brian Trenchard Smith. (laughs) And um, this was a big movie that he wanted to make about a guy named Grant Page, who was a legendary Australian stuntman going all the way back to like Mad Max.
0: Mad Max and before Mad Max. Yeah, Yeah, you know.
1: And so the premise of the movie is that Grant Page is coming to America to work on a TV show, um, Starring Dutch actress Monique Van de Ven, who you might know from some early Paul Verhoeven films, yep. Turkish Delight. Yeah, yeah. But his uh, his cousin is a member of a rock band called Sorcery, a real band sorcery's a real band sorcery puts on real elaborate stage shows where a wizard and the prince of darkness do a lot of battle that involves stage fire and fountains and magic tricks magic tricks so many magic tricks and the band is sort of like glam adjacent jumpsuit rock
0: yeah they're heavy yeah they're heavy they're heavy, and the songs are all like "woman,"
1: yeah, you know. <laughs> and uh, in this movie, when audiences go to see
0: Sorcery, they lose their mind. Yeah, well, you would too if you were watching a wizard do magic tricks. Uh, maybe you know, with would. some heavy, 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 heavy rhythms. Who's to man.
1: say? So the the movie is basically like you know, Grant Page is in L.A. Sorcery is not a good band, <laughs>
0: but they're a fun band they're theatrical. that makes them a great band <laughs>
1: uh, yeah so Grant Page comes to LA he hangs out with Monique Vandavan Van. he hangs out with a woman who is a journalist who's trying to find out why is he always risking his life in these crazy stunts um, and you know a, a lot of the movie is devoted to people saying things like hey did you ever see Gone in 60 Seconds and then there's like a two minute yes. clip montage of yep. like great car chases from Gone in 60 Seconds the original one Um, they talk about a major stunt that Grant Page did for a movie called Mad Dog Morgan, where he had to dive backwards off a cliff on fire. And apparently it didn't quite go right the first time, so he insisted on doing it again a couple of days later. Um, So you see footage of that, you see footage of... And and then there's like new stunts that get incorporated. He does this tightrope walk across... I want to say that's La Cienega and
0: um, Franklin. It's somewhere. Uh,
1: But I'm not positive. Also, by the way, this is a very cool L.A. movie. Oh, yeah. It's a 1978 movie where they just shot all over the place. And so you'll see a bunch of things that are no longer there. So that's always cool if you like, you know, movies about Los Angeles. This movie is (laughs) dumb,
0: but riveting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think it's dumb. I think it is a really... Educational film about stunt work, because <laughs> what you're doing is you you've got a like a a, a, a fictional-ish yeah. story about this guy and his cousin, and a reporter who you know was falling in love with him, and the reporter she's the worst journalist oh, in the world. Terrible. She's like, aren't you just a crazy person? You know, she's not asking him any questions. Never she writes anything. Down. Never writes anything <laughs> down. But she she's the straw man right? She's, she's the audience like, surrogate. She's mm-hmm. the one who says, you're out of your mind for doing this. And then Grant Page gets to explain in a really effective way, well, no, you see, because we first we do this, and then we do this other thing, and we then test we do this third thing. And... We test out that. We do the, you know, the weight limits of this, and then and then we do the stunt. And then here's all the precision involved in doing this stunt. Here's all the the, the practice and rehearsal that you have to Go through. He's laying out just what sort of technician he is. He's doing this though, with wearing no shirt and a leather jacket, <laughs> so he still comes off like it's a 1978 wild man. But he is extremely knowing about what it is he does, and he's and he's very interested in letting the audience know that this is a skill that requires, you know. A lifetime of of of, of 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 work.
1: Would Grant Page put on a protective cup and allow someone to uh, jump
0: on his privates with a pogo stick? He is 83 years old now, and I'm going to say yes, he would, and he would probably <laughs> do it now, because as late as his, as late as the, the as like age 75 or something, uh-huh. he was still doing stunts. Wow! And he still works as a stunt coordinator for films. Well, he should be one of the jackass new kids then. <laughs> no, he should invent the stunts for the jackass new go. kids to do <laughs> and see what they can handle. see what they can do, see what they can handle. Um so Yeah, stunt rock is a is a fascinating there is curio. Also <laughs> wonderful filmmaking going on here because there's so much delightful split screen because they <laughs> want to show you like the stunt from every possible angle. So they just do. And it's exciting to watch. It's like, would you like to see a stunt? How about three? <laughs> All at the same time. Like I said last week when we were on KCRW to Madeline Brand, do you like peanut butter? Do you like chocolate? Well, then here's a Reese's cup. Why don't you eat 12 of them at the same time? <laughs> That's stunt rock. <laughs> okay, that might be overselling I love, it. I love it. I love this movie.
1: It's a goofball film. I'm glad I saw it. I love and, this movie. And people, if you, if this sounds like your your kind of thing, then it will be your
0: kind. It of is thing. your kind of thing, because you love fun. <laughs> I'd watch Stunt Rock again before I would watch Jackass forever again. As much as I love the Jackass dudes. I would watch Stunt Rock again.
1: If those are the choices, I think I would probably go with Jackass Forever just because the thing about Stunt Rock is that if it were an actual documentary... Uh, and they just threw the band in every so often. Like I would be down for that, but it's the trying to pretend like this is a narrative <laughs> where you get like Monique Van de Ven's dumb agent who gets knocked into the pool because he's a jerk. That's or okay, I was I was on board or like that. the the all the stuff with like um you know every time she's working on her TV show there's like this bus that has. Undercover girl spray painted on the so side. of it. Just so you don't
0: forget that she's on a show called Undercover Girl.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking like yeah. that's not what any production ever has done. <laughs> that's true. Stuff like that gets fine. Models. But it's it's fine. It's, it's, it's it you should see it. It's goofy. It's it's great.
0: <laughs> uh we watched a film called Seven Days, which is getting no attention.
1: Yeah, even though I it just would like, won a Spirit Award as for best first feature. I would like for it to get more attention. So let's give it some.
0: Right now. Yes. Uh, this is a romantic comedy. Yes. A little, little indie movie that is a romantic comedy. A they COVID, COVID shot romantic rom- it. comedy. They shot it in eight days yeah. under uh, some pretty strict COVID conditions. It is also a movie set on the first week of, of, the, the, lockdown, of the pandemic. Yeah. It is from uh, Roshan Seth- Sethi. This is his directorial debut. Mm-hmm. Roshan Sethi is an oncologist and now also a filmmaker. So Somewhere my dad is shaking his fist at me. That's right. Your dad is like, couldn't you be a doctor and a film critic? (sighs) And you're like, no. But the answer is, Alonzo. I guess you can be an oncologist and a filmmaker. You could have gone to medical school just like all your other siblings, but (laughs) no, you had to rebel and be different. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I gotta be me.
0: Uh he wrote it alongside uh Karan Karan Sony. Yes. Uh who apparently they are together, a couple. yes. They are a couple. Karan Sony, you know, is the, he's the cab driver for the, 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 the Deadpool movies. Deadpool movies, <laughs> yeah. Uh and it also stars Geraldine uh, Viswanathan. Yes. Um who is hilarious. Who's very funny? She's from Blockers, if yes. you saw Blockers. Uh so here's what it is uh Karan Soni and Geraldine Viswanathan play uh two young people in their 20s they both have very traditional minded mothers yes. who have signed them up for uh, a matchmaking uh website an, an, an arranged marriage where where website. arranged where marriages are arranged between indian people yes and so uh uh Karan Soni's character is into it yeah. he is uh, traditional he's very traditional he's a big nerd and mama's boy <laughs> he, and, he, and he's a mama's boy and also he wants the idea he wants this to be exactly uh the way his life works yeah he wants to meet a, a woman he wants to be married to her within the year he wants to begin having children the following year he's got it all mapped out he loves the idea of traditional arranged marriages um he's into it Geraldine Viswanathan uh, is faking. (laughs) She's pretending that she is also on board for this, but she we learn that she is only uh, on board for this because her mother uh, made it a stipulation of paying her rent for her. (laughs) I will pay your rent if you will uh, go Go on some dates, go on (laughs) these arranged marriage dates, and eventually choose someone. So she goes on the dates. She pretends to be very traditional, to not eat meat, to not drink alcohol, to uh, be a virgin, all this stuff. Meanwhile, she does everything she wants to do, uh, everything a person in their 20s would be doing, including uh, eating uh, cheeseburgers and having sex.
1: At one point, like, you know, well, uh, she she gets caught with like, a beer in one hand and a
0: chicken leg in the right. other. One's like, uh <laughs> Yeah. Uh and on the date, on their first date, uh boom, COVID happens. Yeah. And everyone says, Go in your house, stay there now. So they spend the next uh week. Seven days. Seven days in her house, not knowing what to do. Think back, y'all. Think back to March of 2020 when everyone was confused and no one knew what they were supposed to do. And people just stayed in in places. places. Yeah. So this is a comedy about the beginning of the pandemic and about two people who are polar opposites who don't really want to be in the same house together, but they are. What do you think will happen by the end of these seven days? Hmm. Could it be love? <laughs> Maybe.
1: Um, it's an intriguing setup. And from my time at film festivals, I can tell you a lot of movies sort of end with the intriguing setup. Like they don't really bother to take it from there. But yeah. that's literally just the launching pad for this whole other movie that is really quite lovely and quite smart and does all these things really well. Uh so like my you know, I, I'm always thrilled when they
0: deliver on,
1: oh well you had a good idea, then what?
0: Right. And and this they they stick the landing. Absolutely. Like, um I was absolutely charmed by this film when I learned what it was about. I thought, oh god, a COVID mm-hmm. movie. Um but they really work at it in sort of sweet uh Funny, inventive ways, yeah, and you know it all takes place in one spot, mm-hmm. and like I said, they 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 shot it on a on a on a budget of like three dollars mm-hmm. and and over the course of literally seven days plus one, yeah, out in uh, Coachella Valley. Mm-hmm. It's only in theaters right now, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, and it's gonna it's going to stream any second somewhere <laughs> uh but do look for it because it's 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 lovely yeah and it's a and and, and it's a, and it's and it's and it's an interesting film in that it is about uh characters that you don't often get to see movies made out of yeah um and movies made about I should say <laughs> <laughs> movies made out of <laughs> um yeah, I, like I was not even aware that this was, that these services existed, that that was a thing that was right. happening. Apparently they do. Yeah. So I, you know, I like a film that tells me stuff about the world that I might not know yeah. yet, for sure. Seven days. Yeah. I went to the Lemley Royal last week mm-hmm. for the last screening, for the last show of the Austrian film. film, the Austrian film, Great freedom. Mm. It is uh, the second feature from Sebastian Misa. He's an Austrian filmmaker, right? He made a documentary and two, and now two narrative uh, features. This is his second narrative feature. It is uh, a prison drama about a man played by. Franz Rogowski. Yes. A little digression here for a moment. (laughs) Say, Brainless, you ever heard of Franz Rogowski? Well, you should. He was in uh, Transit. Mm -hmm. He was in Undina. He was in uh, the Terrence Malick movie, um, The Hidden Life. He's the coolest European actor to come around in a while, I think.
2: Yeah, okay.
0: Um, He is popping up all over the place, Mm -hmm. and that's a very good thing. Um, If you go to the art house with any uh, frequency, you've probably seen his face. Maybe you don't know his name yet, but you should. So this movie uh, is set in a variety of decades after World War II. Maybe you don't know about a thing called Paragraph 175. But in uh, Nazi Germany and before, Paragraph 175 was a law that dates back to the 19th century, actually, um, that prohibited uh, homosexual conduct. And After World War II, when the camps were emptied of survivors, the gay survivors, the gay men who survived the concentration camps, were transferred to prisons. They were not set free. They were taken out of the concentration camps and put into prison. For violating paragraph 175. There's a documentary yes. called Paragraph 175 from uh,
1: Epstein and Friedman. Epstein and Friedman. You, you can, can watch out, it on Criterion. You can watch it on Canopy. Came
0: out in the year 2000. It's about 90 minutes long and it is very important. Yes. Um, it's an important piece of history. And the people in the documentary were men who were in the camps. And then, again, placed in prison upon release from the camp.
1: It's the kind of dock that couldn't have been made much later because... They were all
0: very, very old at the time yeah. of the dock. So, um, Ron Zugowski plays a man who was in uh, one of the camps. And the moment the war is over, he is put into prison.
1: Yeah, The only people who weren't liberated when the camps were liberated were the gay guys. Yeah.
0: So he goes in, his cellmate is a uh, mean <laughs> homophobe. When he finds out that his cellmate is in for 175, uh, there is, you know, physical violence mm. that takes place. So, but, you know, he's there for the next uh, six months, I think. He's, he's got the remainder of that on his sentence. He gets out, and then the movie jumps back and forth in time to his subsequent imprisonments, because he keeps getting arrested for being gay and for having sex, in like uh, public restrooms and in you know other, a variety of other places. So the movie takes you into the fifties where he goes in. And he has a sort of a romance with a another uh, guy in the in the prison, and it takes you into the '60s. And The only difference is is sort of like he's got a mustache in the '60s; he doesn't have one in the in the '40s and '50s. He's got a little more gray hair, a different hairstyle in the '50s. Like the the, the physical changes are very subtle, but you follow it. You know, at first they give you years on screen to let you know where you are but eventually they drop that because yeah. you you start to learn what to look for and who he's interacting with sure uh, at various points in his life so he's in and out of prison his entire life and he has love in those prison sentences you know uh, men he got put in prison with that they were a couple um, men he meets, you know, in the prison, and then also the relationship he has with the homophobe, hmm. which moves from you know hate to a sort of begrudging, you know, acceptance to uh, a moment of transactional sex to genuine friendship. I need a. I need to make a little disclaimer here that if you think this is a Shawshank situation, it is not. It is also not a moment where the homophobe learns. Mm. Like, you don't get any of that. It is It is better and smarter and, and more powerful than that because of Franz Orgowski. He communicates... Not just desire, but genuine emotional, you know, uh, gravity, genuine love for, uh, the men that, that he loves over the course of this 30 year ish Mm. time of his life in and out of prison. There's a resignation to his character where he sort of knows he's going to go back to prison. Um, until the law is, you know, eventually repealed. Sure. Um, Which happened when? Like 70s? early Late 60s, early 70s? Mm. Um, you see the law repealed while he is in prison, and then he is set free. Mm. Um, I won't spoil the ending. But there's an inevitability to the ending that you kind of feel in your gut is coming. It doesn't make it any less sad or... You know, sorrowful, but it's there, right? Uh, this is I. This is a really wonderful movie, and it is anchored by this performance that I want more people to see. Um, he is to me like all those actors in the early '70s that were doing such interesting new work. You know, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Dustin, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman um, you know uh, 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 oh. Richard Dreyfus, the one who the one who died. John Cazale. Know? John Cazale. People like that. Mm. That's who Franz Rogowski is. And look for him. Um,
1: and this was the Austrian Oscar entry. It was year, the I
0: Austrian think? submission. Submission. I don't yeah. know that it was. It wasn't nominated. nominated. Okay. Um, and it is. It 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 moved me. And I think it's an interesting film. It takes, it maybe is trying to do maybe a little too much stuff, you know, formally. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you can, it's not hard to follow. You know, you will follow it. Um, And it's about a moment in history where men who have sex with men were persecuted to the point of death. And the thing is, is that a movie existing like this now, very much like *Power of the Dog*, is that it's set in the past, but this stuff hasn't gone away. Right. The world still hates you if you are queer. Yeah. You, if you live in a, if you're lucky to be queer and live in an environment where you have the law on your side and general cultural acceptance. You're still in the minority. Sure. Globally,
1: it's a tough and, world out there. And and any any gains that the community has made in the last few decades can all be struck down. They they fight you every step of the way. Shocking
0: ease. They <sighs> do not want queer people to survive. No. They would like it if we suffered perpetually. Yeah. Um. And that's clear.
1: The current target is you know trans the, youth. But it's... Trans everyone is the current target. But I mean, legislatively speaking, they really seem to be going after trans youth. But they hate all of us. We're all in the target.
0: So this film is relevant now. Yes. Paragraph 175 no longer exists. But, and as much as I, you know, I know that audiences often don't want to participate in a presentation of queer trauma. That doesn't bother me as an audience member, but if it bothers you, maybe this isn't your movie. Maybe you want a happy ending. Maybe you want, uh, you know, a, a more clear cut, you know, upbeat or heroic thing. Yeah. Um, in my viewing of this film, I would call this character heroic in that he, he's defiant about himself. Right. He refuses to be struck down um, in spite of the situation that he is, through no fault of his own, Yeah. in. Yeah. So I really, really love this movie. I need to check, check it out. B- it's in theaters now in art houses. If you're in a city with an art house and it happens to be there, you should go. It streams in May Oh. On on Mubi M U B I. Good to know.
1: Yeah. Letters letters. Would you like a letter? I would like a We've few. Got a
0: couple letters. Yes. Uh, next week uh, we'll
1: yes. be talking about like we mentioned Apollo 10 and a Half A Space Age Childhood which yes. is on Netflix we'll be talking about Everything Everywhere All at Once yes. which uh, I have seen once but I'm going to see it again uh, tomorrow night I will definitely have thoughts uh, and we'll be talking about
0: Morbius y- yeah well you will be I'm not yeah. going yeah. <laughs> um, this is from Jeremy he said I just wanted to send a quick note Thanking you for talking about the I've Heard the Mermaids singing restoration. Hmm. My local Canadian theater screened the restored version last night, and I decided to check it out on your recommendation. I had a great time. Oh, good. You are right. That Japanese restaurant scene is divine. (laughs) Uh, A couple of fun observations from the Canadian perspective that I thought you might appreciate. The actress who plays the curator's love interest, Anne-Marie MacDonald, has gone on to become one of Canada's most celebrated novelists. Oh, wow. The church that is home to the gallery in the movie is now one of the best places to get a cheap lunch in Toronto. <laughs> it is now a non-profit lunch spot that provides rehabilitative work placements for people recovering from struggles with mental illness. Oh Canada. I've escaped my downtown corporate life in a more real way now, but the Trinity Square Cafe was a much-needed socialist-tinged respite <laughs> from corporate culture when I worked downtown. I am sad to say that Canada is not a wonderland where you can leave your bike unattended, like Polly does throughout (laughs) this movie. Maybe things have changed since the 80s, but I have lost two bikes to theft in Toronto. Ouch. Keep up the great work and keep covering all of the obscure theatrical re-releases and international productions. You've tipped me over the fence many times over the years, and I rarely regret seeing something unusual after hearing about it on LK.
1: Oh, cool. Well, thank you, Jeremy.
0: Uh Francis says I hope this finds you both well. My name is Francis. I have been a pod. I've been a fan of the linoleum knife for some time. However, if I'm what of if, if Allow me to continue reading this letter in English. In English. If I'm being honest, what keeps me listening so attentively has always been your love for each other. Oh, no. No. Oh, oh. The way you communicate and support each other shines through each episode that I've heard. I work at a grocery store. Mm. And on night shifts during the shutdown, they allowed us to listen to music on our on our phones. I never did, just your podcast. It brought me joy and reminded me of the space I've always gone to when life gets overwhelming. The movies. We were called Essential, till we weren't. Mm. I was in I was intimidated by folks in Trump masks. Okay, I have to stop this letter right now. What is a Trump mask? Were people wearing masks in the store that just said, like, Trump on it and stuff? I, I, mean, I guess that's what that means. I thought those folks didn't like masks and refused to go <sighs> well, into stores they, or they, whatever. they
1: probably, if they knew they had to wear one going in the store, they were going to let you know that they were against it right. and that they wanted to Fine. make America great again. You
0: know. Uh... I was intimidated by folks in Trump masks because they brought their own fear in the store with them and left their empathy at the door. Mm. But through it all I could look forward to my favorite gay uncles, playfully argue and joke and make each other think. A true partnership. You give me hope during a time you gave me hope during a time when it was very sparse, and for that I can never thank you enough. I still work at the grocery store, and what I see now most are smiles. Sure, the occasional comment or thoughtless gesture, but I choose to remember how I got through a tough time rather than focus on the tough time itself. Uh, my father taught me that when the politicians told him and his co-workers that the air was perfectly safe amidst the debris of ground zero on 9-11. I love my job because of the people and I love the night shift because I get to check in with my two favorite married film critics. So thank you and I look forward to someday having the pleasure of seeing you at a theater in person and hearing what you thought. Do you live in Los Angeles? <laughs> if you do, you might see us in a movie theater sometime, somewhere. I will be wearing a, a very beautiful plain black N95 mask. With no political affiliations on it By the whatsoever. way, thank you, Francis. That was a very sweet letter. Last week, yes, please, thank you very much for that. That's lovely. Uh, the, uh, my viewing companion mm-hmm. last week at Great Freedom, a friend of ours, I had on my mask, the black one. And I said, you know, if I put on my sunglasses, no one knows who I am. And he looked at me and he said, yes, that's right. No one could ever identify you if you were wearing sunglasses and a face mask. (laughs) And he said it in that way, like you're an idiot. Well, you kind of are. And I was like, No, no, no. I'm incognito. I'm disguised. Were you You wearing... don't see me. You, you don't know me. You... I am a phantom.
1: Were you wearing like a, you know, Melvin's T shirt at the time? No. Okay. No, I had
0: on one of my nice plaidy LL Bean fifty gotcha. seven year old man wearing new balance sneakers <laughs> kind of shirts.
1: Because I, you know, which I, are,
0: by the way, the majority of my my wardrobe these I days. Know.
1: I had I had a mask on when I went to see Assassins, and and a, a member of L.A. film critics clocked me from yards away because you know my glasses. Well, those glasses,
0: <laughs> and that beautiful wavy hair. Oh, Shush! I will not. <laughs> the whole world loves that hair. You are the queer lion.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that is a long joke that's not uh, worth explaining. And it never
0: fails for me. <laughs> Please never stop.
1: All right, this is uh, this has been an epic episode. Let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Please um, check out our Patreon at patreoncom Uh Lots of extra content, lots of extra shows, lots of extra fun things for people uh, who want to pay for the privilege, and we hope you do. Uh, Also, check out the other uh, podcasts that I do, Maximum Film, on the Maximum Fun Network, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. We're a podcast. We're also on YouTube. Um, And Deck the Hallmark, uh, where Bran and I are currently doing the 25 Weeks of Christmas. This week, we discussed the 1994 remake of Miracle on 34th Street. Um, So, yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, you can subscribe for free at iTunes at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. we'll read it on the air. You can also leave positive feedback in all the places that we stream, like uh, Stitcher Radio, the Lounge.com, Spotify, Castbox, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Music or uh, Amazon Music, you name it. Um Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Check out his wonderful work at bluebleu.bandcamp.com. Follow us at LinoleumCast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at com. And until next time,
0: goodbye.